Mahoney and the Moment. The new album, 10. Out now. On Bandcamp. With Stan Episode 56 What you got going there so we're doing the bev oh yeah this got... is the bev with stev so bev mine is diet coke but that's not uh-huh. a sponsor of this episode no stev is like my nickname in my day jobs when i work in sales so i gave it to myself to be called stev is it an alternate personality yeah a little bit it's like yeah. the comedy version of me yeah well cheers to stev i'll tell you i listened to the podcast man. and i i love it i didn't know alec gross but now i'm a super fan well he's in la a lot of people i like and musicians i like are in la at the moment you know i don't know anyone out here at all came out here like days before the pandemic so i haven't really had a an la experience and i think i'm actually turning the ship around and heading back east because miss the family miss the friends you know Mm. And I think too, really miss my band. I mean, we had the opportunity to do these recordings during the quarantine, which we did remotely. And that was sort of a lifesaver. But I would like to, now that this live music is coming back again, uh, be somewhere in the Northeast where my band is so we can, you know, start doing more live stuff. But who knows? I don't know. I am going to, I am going to reach out to your your mate there though, because I would love to collaborate with him, you know? Mm. I have more talented people that I know or have met and follow than are on whatever labels or the radio and stuff like that. And I just think it's a really um, good endeavor to support those people or just become friends with them because the people that I'm listening to on my phone or whatever are people like you and Alec. And that's why I'm doing this podcast to talk to these people and just collaborate in all kinds of ways, you know? Is your band then in the East Coast, is that The Tones still? So the latest addition drummer to The Tones is a guy named AP. And he lives up in New Hampshire and is close to John Coretto, who is the bass player who produced Um So High. He's the sort of magic behind the Shane Patrick music. I mean, The Tones, I guess, are John Coretto and Tom Thorndike we went to the same high school together. So that music relationship goes back. So you're from New Jersey, right? Connecticut. Oh, okay. I remember when I first saw you, you came into the bar in Paddy Riley's, I was bartending and you had like a James Dean vibe. Your hair was (laughs) slicked back. You're in like a leather jacket. I was like, who's that guy? Yeah, that was cool, man. Posing, posing. Poser. No, no, I thought, wow, who's this guy? And uh, oh, man. yeah, and then I saw you guys play. And what was that album you just said? Going Places. 
Go Places was the first album I did in studio. We recorded it in New York City at this incredible studio, Sear Sound. I don't know if you're familiar. I've with heard it. of that, yeah. It was on, time. Yeah, it was on 48th Street. I, I'm pretty sure that John Lennon did some of Double Fantasy in there. And then uh, the studio where they record giant bands, a lot of Broadway stuff is uh, the second floor studio. And that's where we did the album. And it was one of these things where uh, I decided I was going to record the best tunes that I had. And then I got inspired and wrote a few new tunes while we were doing it that ended up on the album. And like, we went for it, you know, we had the, you know, it was, had the horns. I remember it was a big strings. It's a big show. The album, super, super proud of it. And actually now uh, it's the 10 year anniversary of that album coming up on December 17th. And I would say go places. I, I mean, I'm very sentimental about just uh, that in particular tune, you know, there's, there's a gang vocal in that song that has a whole bunch of my friends that, you know, we had 20 people in the studio that day singing along to it, making music. And to me, that's like the, the highest high you can get is when people are together catching that vibe of whatever it is that that story that, you know, we're trying to tell is. And then what happened? Then I, you know, I got kind of pulled away by acting and also just, I really got burnt out from not being able to cross the divide of only friends making it to my shows, like getting fans, engaging an audience beyond the same people that were showing up. And I felt like I had exhausted my audience with that album and getting them to come out and support that music. And yeah, man, I ended up getting this film that was in 2014 called Peter and John. And it was a movie with Jacqueline Bissett. And it was a period drama that I shot in Nantucket. I know that you're jealous of me. Jealous? You know you owe me money. Just can't pay it all now. Settle down. Settle down. And it sort of made me feel like, oh, maybe this is the direction, you know, this is where my energy should go into the acting, you know, and it had immediate reward to it. It was like right away, you would get money for what you did. I was having like trouble making that happen. I was paying to like in the yeah, PC, yeah. it's like the pay to play. Okay. I'm paying yeah. the drummer. I'm paying the, um, you know, it, it, and it's weird because I quit at the time where we had not yet started this new way of being a musician with uh, using social media marketing and all of the online presence now that a a musician has to have just to even feel like they belong in the game of this business. So I did this movie in 2018 that I wrote and directed called Remedial Love. And I tried to use one of the songs from Go Places to be in the score back the movie and nothing worked. So I had to write a song for that movie and that I did it and went up and recorded it and um, did the score and recorded it with John Coretto, the same guy I'm telling you that is the constant collaborator in one of the tones. 
And I did that and it re-inspired my songwriting juices, gave me a little confidence back because I listened back and said, oh, this is, maybe I could still do this thing, like write a song or whatever. So that got the juices started again. And I decided I'm going to go out and I started playing in New York again. And then the Tones and I decided to make another album. And uh, the other Tone is Thomas Thorndike. And he's the guy who does some of the songwriting he does a lot of the guitar playing, the piano playing, um, and he's sort of just a multifaceted musician that we use for all kinds of sounds that we can get out of him. And but you're not so, a technical guy. You're not like editing because I can't do all that music. I can do it with this, fun enough, but I can't edit music or it's too precious to me. You can make it sound bad so easily. Have you ever tried self-recording? Well, I'm So High is actually a garage band demo. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it was recorded in GarageBand and went from GarageBand into the hands of John Coretto, who then reamped stuff and made it sound through his studio that he built in his home up in Maine. He made it sound how it sounds. It, it does sound amazing. It's it incredible. sounds like Polish Stones track. <laughs> yeah, it's it blows my mind the way that that thing popped. Uh, uh, like he, and that's all his his talents. Take it easy, I've been living in LA The ground is so uneasy The sun comes up And I'm throwing on my shade And it feels so good When I'm drifting alone And it feels so good When you're turning me out You know songs about surfing yeah or is it about just being happy which is an unusual thing to do a song about at the moment well yeah it sort of is a mantra for myself to kind of when all of this was going down the major stress of this which for me was being in a city i i didn't know a lot of people and not being able to connect with anyone like everyone that was going through what we we're going through, being very, very isolated in my own bubble. And one of the things that I did, I had just started surfing in New York in 2018. But not uh, in Manhattan. <laughs> no. no uh, Was it in Long Island or something? I had to go out. Yeah, I was going out to Rockaway Beach. And, Is that what you have um, to pay to go on the beach? I went up there, Rockaway Beach. Yeah, you got to pay, right? Yeah, they give you it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pure capitalism. That's New York. That's New ah, York. Yeah, know. yeah. Hey, there is some sort of racket or hustle under everything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Rockaway in this place uh, called Lincoln in Long Island. And I didn't know much about surfing, but I had a friend. His name is Randy Falcon. He was a surfer. He was encouraging me to do it. Something I always wanted to, always wanted to surf. You always look like a surfer. <laughs> this is funny. I always In a good way. To... Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I always wanted to do it. And I, so I, my aunt had passed. Uh, she was 66 years old. She had a stroke and she passed. Wow. It was a real sort of um, shocking thing for our family. And yeah. I had her car all of a sudden as she had a 2005 Honda. And so I'm taking care of it in New York. 
that was what sort of started the surfing thing. I was like, I'm going to take it out to Long Island, buy a surfboard and start driving to go surfing. So start surfing. My friend Randy gives me some pointers. And then it turns out that my fiance books a television show here in LA. That's what brought us out. So we come out and as soon as we get out here, we get locked down. And when that lockdown happens, sort of the anxiety and stress and stuff of that, I, I just... I got a surfboard and I was getting in the water almost every day. And yeah, everybody really, did something. Yeah. To therapeutically. That was the outlet. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, it kept me, it kept me sort of out of my head as much as possible. Cause this thing has like caused all this overthinking and mm. uh, feeling like I'm behind on everything. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of, disor- a lot of disorientation, a lot of, um, feeling scrambled and stuff, having a hard time focusing, but in the water, I would always be focused because all I could really do was pay attention to you the have water. to be in the moment. Yeah. yeah be, be in the moment. So that was making, giving me some sort of high feeling. And I was writing some sad songs. Like you said, like I was like, I had a song I was working on called angels in the hall. And it was sort of like about my aunt being a nurse in the hospital and what she was going through with the pandemic. And it was kind of, it was sweet and dark, but it was just, it was drink. It was dragging me down, you know? And then I was writing, I was writing sort of like on the nose things that just weren't gelling with me. And I'm so high came out of just, I had been like practicing some almond brothers and found this groove and it was three chords and I just started singing and I said okay why he's having a hard time writing so I said why don't you just write what you're what you're about the surfing about the vibe in LA and just started jamming that uh yeah so I did that I did that garage band demo and I sent that to John and that was what became the foundation of that tune and then we just built upon it with overdub sessions by sending it around and that was that tune man it came it definitely was inspired by the ocean cool I interviewed this lady, Savannah, who's originally from California uh, in the last, well, a couple of episodes ago of this. And she said that she ended up in lockdown, broke up with someone, went and lived in the country in England and ended up writing a happy song to come out of it. And so it sounds like that's what you've done. And I also have done a couple of albums recently that are mad happy, mad party. But it hasn't been an easy time for me either (laughs) the past few years. And I think that's a good thing, but it doesn't seem very f- in fashion, does it, to be happy in the, in your songs? If it, f- it feels like a brave thing to do. These tunes, they're like we do this as part of our healing. Pro, you know, best stuff I guess comes out of when you're fucking hurting, mm. <laughs> and you and you need it, and you need it for your own uh, mental health, your own yep. stress. But for me, it's a stress reliever, and like that tune. I could use to like play it right now. You know what I mean? And I'd feel a little bit better after I did, yeah, yeah. you know, that was sort of the, the goal that I was aiming at, but. Um, it is therapeutic. And then you play the song over and over for years, or I have with some of mine, and it becomes just another song. The problem's mm-hmm. not really there for me anyway. So your name is Shane Patrick and you're obviously Irish descent, right? Is that where this sadness comes from that I also have? Is this what makes you uh, do the sad song and go have to go in the water and distract yourself? And even your I, acting name is Cairns, which is another Irish name. I've dropped the Kearns. The Kearns no longer exist okay. and not because I don't love being a Kearns. A Kearns is a large side of, that's my dad's side of the family, big Irish Catholic family. On my mom's side 
it's a mixture of all kinds of things. My grandfather was 100% Portuguese on my mom's side. Uh, my grandmother, she had Scottish, Irish, English. Uh, I haven't done one of these genealogy things, which I, I, I do want to do one of those um, at some you point. You seem but... familiar. You're from these islands, I would say. But then again, Definitely. everyone is that's white and has blue or green eyes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. People, so that's the answer to Ancestry.com. I did fully embrace my Irish roots, especially in my teenage years. I was way, way, way into a band called Black 47, led yeah. by a guy named Larry Kerwin. And I would go see him whenever Black 47 played around Connecticut. And I would talk to him after shows. And I told him I was going to New York to pursue acting. And he hooked me up with an acting teacher at a place called the Chelsea Playhouse, this guy Ray Yates. And so I got to New York and I started taking this acting class. And it was a uh, all Irish people in the class. I was the only American <laughs> in the class. The Irish um, New York thing is powerful. When I got my visa for America, the guy yeah. goes, oh, Paddy Riley's Black 47. I was like, what? In the, in the American embassy here. So um, they're a big band, oh, uh, Black 47. Oh, yeah, yeah. Connected. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I would say that was a big influence for musically when I was in high school, uh, that band. And I came and I would go see them at Connolly's on 47th Street a lot. What but, surprises me is that they're like an 80s indie band. With you and with them, I feel like there's elements of The Cure and The Smiths a little bit. Am I mad? No, you're spot on. You're spot on. And Cure was another one. And I was, I don't even, I, it might have been to my detriment, but I was doing sort of vocal expressions and inflections like uh, Robert Smith and Larry but I can still hear it and Connor like Oberst yeah. has it as well and I like it <sighs> yeah it, you know it's like a, a style or something you know and sometimes I try to depending on the song maybe even pull away from it you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, but when I'm playing live it just comes out it's like there it's just connecting with some sort of personality uh, something like about that it's, it, and it goes back to these voices like Dylan and Neil Young and Tom Petty, where it's so un emotional. Raw. Yeah, yeah raw. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're not they're not theater trained singers or anything, are they? They're like, um, not that that's bad, but it's really. My, my dad is constantly reminding me that I have a voice like one of those guys. Uh, well, he's he should, be, he should he, be supporting you. <laughs> he's got a, well, no, he's he's got a voice like Paul McCartney, you know. And uh, okay, well, he's American there. as he's, well, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's got one of those those sweet voices and can hit those high notes and stuff. So cool. Yeah, man. What else? So what's first with you? The acting was first. The acting. I mean, it's complicated. You're an artist guy, right? And where does the music sit? And where's the acting sit? It sounds like the acting something where you can. It's, Emily's the same. She's a voice actor that I'm in a band with and we do music. But it feels like acting. I've never done it. But people, when I go to the parties with her, they think I'm an actor. And when I was in America, I found that a lot of the musicians were also actors. So were you an actor first or how do you see it? Or is it complex? First of all, you do have you do have an you have an amazing voice, and uh, I think it's great you're doing a podcast. It's perfect. I better do a reel then. <laughs> Try no, and get some bills paid. But but also, I think you could also be an actor. I don't know. You could do so many different characters. So if you're ever interested in it, 
there's no like expiration date or when for you a can man. <laughs> so, you can you can do it at any point. You can yeah. do it. At, yeah, at, I might try point. it because sales is acting, which I've done for a job for years. You're in the freaking mecca center. London is like where it's at for acting. I know it does piss That's me off when half actors. the people in American shows are British. I, How do you feel I, about that? Honestly, I think that the British actors deserve every single role that they get they are the most disciplined well-trained actors i've worked with british actors many times on professional jobs and i'm blown away with how good they are (laughs) how good they are and i wish i had the training that these actors had the the classical training the shakespeare training the training where it's like you know, about using your voice and your body and, uh, you know, the American training, which I think is cool too. It's really more about emotions and preparation and depending on which acting uh, philosophy you're working with. But I just love the way that the English actors are, are trained and they, and they kill it. Yeah. Can you do accents or have you ever had the challenge of trying that? Cause I can't believe they do it. Like, um, the ginger guy from Billions and uh, Damien Lewis. He's, He's I mean, incredible. he does a bit of a De Niro. Hey, what are you talking about? He does a bit of that. The world economy is just one big casino fueled by a giant debt bubble and computer-driven derivatives. I worked with this actor. He's a terrific actor named Christian Carlson. Mm. And he's British. And uh, it was on that film I was speaking of, uh, Peter and John, which is just released now finally 2021 as blood brothers civil war that's the film with uh jacqueline Bissett and christian carlson he we were on nantucket island for six weeks and he sounded so american and he never came out of the american accent oh he did and the christian bale thing where he's always the day the day we wrapped his english accent was back on and it was just it was incredible but i, I find accents incredibly difficult um, I've done Irish accents and English accents and Southern accents and uh, several different dialects, but I do sometimes find it really difficult to get over the part of my head that says, this isn't the way you speak, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah. But I think the biggest challenge in acting is believing yourself mm. that you so, are the character. <laughs> and and so, if, I, if you could buy that, you know, sorry to interrupt you. No, you no, no, that, don't worry. I'm interrupting. Yeah. I always interrupt. I know what it's like to have the doubts, the other you, almost oh, yeah. the destructive self-thoughts, right? Uh, what do they call them? Self-talk or whatever. So when you're acting, how do you get rid of that? I do a little meditation before I work that is like uh, imagining that I'm going through a portal into another reality. And uh, when I step through the portal, I just look at everyone as as though that they are the the per- the person in the imaginary world that we're living in and I work off of the people and I look in their eyes and I sort of try to just keep thinking about different details about who they are and the character and what I want from them for some reason with acting which is why I find it to be another therapeutic thing like music and surfing that voice turns off before I I just I get into the I get into the character I get into the world that's where it's fun it's like a uh, escape from reality you know and there's too much on the line it's like you're in a job interview right you can't afford for those thoughts to be in your because it's like a sales meeting where it's like I can't think about uh, how I don't like my shirt right now or how I'm doing the wrong accent. Is it like that where there's too much because 
on a movie set or a film TV set, there's like a hundred people around you, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all waiting on well, you. Is it like yeah. you can't think about other stuff? The stakes are so high for me that the fo- that I have adrenaline that brings me into a, a hyper focus, like as if you're going on stage, you know, and you hear stories about people being sick or whatever, and then they go and they play a, a show, like. So the adrenaline kicks me up into hyper focus. The next goal for me in acting is to perhaps be a series regular on a TV show where I'm working on a regular basis and working on a character going deep into it. But I could imagine that if you're having a repetitive experience on set that uh, your focus maybe would, you know. (laughs) Chill out. Yeah, your focus might chill out you. (laughs) I would have to uh, work at it (laughs) some more. So you're on Blue Bloods, right? I watched it. Fagin, oh, yeah. real evil name, oh, and yeah. you're like there shooting everyone in the first scene. What I was know. that like? And how? What did you do before that scene? So you got to go in and blow a whole family away. You're an assassin. Yeah, and sort of. Uh, I didn't take it too serious. You, you know, don't take that too seriously. Yeah, you can't uh, actually. Yeah, because it's distressing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that like seems like that and stuff it's like okay we're playing uh cops and robbers we're playing cowboys and indians you know like we can't get too serious over this stuff even though the content is so serious and you know i've been guest stars on shows where you go on and like the shows like svu and stuff and blue bloods they're usually something super uh traumatic happening that the actors that are regulars on those shows, they have to keep their spirits light, like in between takes, because they're constantly dealing with this material on a regular basis. And yeah. um, I imagine like Donnie Wahlberg and there's a guy from The Sopranos in it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In that episode, they seem like a bit f- like they're fun guys anyway. They're like from Massachusetts, right? And I, I can imagine that they are wisecrackers. They're, they're super chill. It's just the day at work for them. They're just having a good time, you know? Yeah. They're and you got to play a split personality. Yeah, I guess he was he was just a bad guy, you know. It's just not... in the scene where you're going up the stairs, you're like almost like you are now. You're like, hi, you know, but then <laughs> <laughs> you're like a nice guy. Max Fagan live in this building? Yeah, he's a model tenant. Everything all right? Yeah. Hey, these detectives are asking me about you. Well, here I am. So now you can ask me directly. Detective Reagan. Detective Abbott and Marco were investigating uh, some robberies in the area. Where were you yesterday morning between the hours of 7 a.m. and 10 a.m.? In my apartment. I might have stepped out to walk my dog. Can anyone verify that? I can verify. And who are you? I'm his girlfriend, Charlotte. Why am I a suspect? No, we were just wondering if you saw anything unusual. Nope. I bought it. And I, I, you know what? It, Here's 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 the many more jobs, but it was a a giant mental block breakthrough to just be employed after this pandemic because I was out here in LA and I was getting asked for projects in New York that I could not do. Actors could not travel because of coronavirus, so I was out here in LA with um, 
no casting directors that really knew me. I wasn't going out for any of the shows out here where I actually could work once the flow started to go again and production started to um, start up here in LA again. So I was really struggling and um, I have to thank that casting director, Kimisha and Beth Bowling for bringing me in for Blue Bloods during the time. And the, you know, I feel really lucky that I got that job because it, you know, again, like just felt good to work and to get away from this, I don't know, whatever this dark cloud is that constantly <laughs> seems to be looming, like trying to escape, like <laughs> yeah. number one priority is like escape from that reality. Yeah, to do something so huge in the middle of when nothing's happening. You know, it's almost like doing a gig at Wembley Stadium or something or, you know, the Yankee Stadium. And then the rest of the time you're just sitting around, you know, waiting for that. Is that what acting's like, actually? Intense. Man, you know, the older I get and the longer I'm in it, it's like you have to just be like acting is icing on the cake when that comes around. Because for any actor I know, and I know tons because I've done it for so long there's ups and downs, you know, there is just ups and downs. So you like for your mental health and just to be a more rounded person, you have to have so many other interests and highly recommend um, passive income streams that are beyond acting to survive, to really survive in the business. And I mean, I guess that's my you know, my circumstance, you know, music has been saving my ass because I don't wait or worry about when the next acting thing is going to come to creatively fulfill me you know unless you're doing monologues alone in your home like you know the John Leguizamo's out there who are you know doing their solo stuff like part of that art is connecting with a partner and you're seeing partners and uh so it's hard to get that fulfillment unless you're seeking out like acting classes or you know getting yourself in a theater group and stuff like that and um i mean i've been impressed with how artists have done it and uh adjusted doing virtual stuff but yeah man for me like i i have to have other things i have to have other things and yeah so you've been like a new york bartender like i have or little odd jobs or you don't have to say actually but i feel like i don't know we met in the bars didn't we what have been some of the odd jobs i've I've bartended and worked in restaurants and at over 30 different places and loads of actors that's the deal isn't it emily was an actor rue 57 they were all actors all the servers you know all the waiters and the last service job i had was at a place in brooklyn it was the best job I think I ever had. It was a place called Noodle Pudding. And it was an Italian restaurant that was run by this incredible chef. His name is Antonio. People call him Toto. It had this sort of old Brooklyn mafia vibes. Like you got the red checkered uh, tablecloths and his food was so good. It no was... microwaves, no Gordon Ramsay alarmist stuff. You're gonna blow fire in your face, you fucking donkey! No, and and it was and just the experience of coming to the restaurant was like a Eugene, like being in some sort of like Eugene O'Neill play or something. Like you know, he would come out and scream at people for not finishing their food, and like it was like being in a play. It was like being in a play. You definitely felt like you you travel and you you feel like you travel in time when you go to Noodle Pudding, and there's something very magical about it. So that was the last service job I I had in New Maybe York. Maybe that is something you could write. 
there was, I was, there was a lot of writing inspiration that came out yeah. of noodle pudding. I met a lot of characters. I mean, it was a very, uh, very cool thing. Yeah. The sand beard joke of the month. You ready? Yeah. What's the difference between a weasel and a stoat? Mm. What? One's weaselly identifiable and the other one's totally different. <laughs> I have a little post-release fatigue and I don't know if you guys go through this, but being an independent or an independent musician who's not with a label or something like that, but even still, um, how much just goes into just putting a song out? So, uh, you know, like, uh, too much. Yeah. And I was saying earlier that, you know, there was a six year break that I took from music because of whatever reason it was like being burnt out, feeling I burnt my audience out, like a uh, fear of not being able to write good music anymore, whatever it was that stymied me. And I pulled away and like went toward the, towards the acting stuff. I had come back from a six year break and just didn't understand all of the technicalities that one needs to understand about putting out music and using your distributor and understanding the licensing and Spotify and how to properly have a Spotify account and how you need to have a social media presence and how you need to have, uh, how many different subscriptions do you have to get to be a musician? Put music out. Like, well, I've got like, a joke. I've got a joke song that's like, um, "Is this good enough for your playlist?" You know, because I've got a, I've got a kind of not a comedy band, but I've got more of a kind of kinksy, um, squeeze type band where we tackle everyday subjects like that. I know that with Spotify in particular, you you're troubled by something. For example, like I've been talking about, and you write a song about that and make it a happy song, and it's therapeutic for you, and you've expressed yourself, and you have doubts that maybe you're singing a bit too much like Ryan Adams or Robert right. Smith or whatever. And you got okay. through all that, you financed it, you wrote it, you recorded it, you've edited it, mixed it, all that shit. And then you'd upload it to Spotify and they say, now the real work begins. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big problem. So they yeah. think it's all marketing, which maybe it is, but the, the craft of the song is the art, not the marketing. So I'm going to record an album soon that's fairly solo and just put it on a band camp and I'm not going to shout about it and make videos and mm. mailing lists and try and get on playlists for six months because it's, I found it harmful. And I found, like you said, it, there's a fatigue. Yeah. It's a fatigue. Like I, like right now, you know, the song came out on Friday and I have to do a post, you know, I got to do a post. <laughs> I got to do a post and in the story to, and a post and, in the thing. And like, yeah. And, yeah, I, yeah. and then it's a full-time you know, job. It has become pretty consuming and I didn't know that this is what it was going to be when I came back you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> after the six years and your know. audience that are on your social media aren't necessarily music fans because the platforms are designated for you know I'm getting married or I'm I've got depression or you know myself I still believe in going to that bar and creating a community there in real life and then tweet about it or whatever but I met you in in real life, right? And I don't know if we would be talking if we were just on the Instagram. I have to say, though, I opened an Instagram or started using it like a year ago, and we are talking through that. So there are benefits. Yeah, I have this love-hate relationship with the new way. 
Everybody you know, does. And, and I think I think every musician does. And it's like, get with it. Or, you know, it's like also even just the way that social media changed from a place where you it was all about engaging with friends and sharing each other and supporting each other. But now they've changed algorithms to where you have to use it as an advertising space. So I guess it's that, capitalist, isn't it? So it's, it's all it, it deserves. Yeah, like, I mean, I know that whenever I'm, whenever I'm trying to get something out, I'm getting pushed down the algorithm in order to, as an incentive for me to spend money so you can see my post and yeah, you, yeah, you you're, even in, see it. you're even interested in it. So, so I'm finding this to, you know, like you say, that the only way that the engagement is going to happen on a real level, I think for me, maybe not for other people who have already gotten the other side of the algorithm, I guess, it's like trying to get over this hump to where I'm not getting my music in front of people who don't know me, who are going, oh my God, this I'm so high jam is, you know, they're putting that on playlists because they love the song and they just heard it and came across me like crossing that great divide is like this uh giant challenge and you have to do the research and the work to do it through the internet like you're saying and that's that's a lot i'm a little envious that you're doing the band camp thing and you just don't care (laughs) or yeah i i think i i think i'm too sensitive though so i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. do that for my artistic for my discography I'm just trying to build, no matter what happens, if nobody listens to it, I have a linear discography body of work. What I'd say for you, if I was you, which is always an interesting perspective, another person might feel they see it a different way, is obviously from my eyes, it seems like you've got some real progress and a real name on the TV industry. Is is that an avenue to sort of be an artist as a musician as well? Or do you see them as separate? Is there a way of kind of not exploiting, but you know, you're an actor, like Johnny Depp and, um, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of musicians as well. There's a lot of multi-hyphenates that make it work and that are great at it for sure. Um, I would like to be one. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this thing out one day at a time here in terms of how to connect with audiences, with music and, and also not let that stuff pull me out of the creative process. Like I've noticed that too, like, had a really good creative process flow, was writing several songs, collaborating with Johnny. And then when it came time to get to work on the business stuff of this to get the song out, you know, I haven't picked up the guitar in a while. So it's like, you know, it's like finding, finding that balance has been really tricky. I think speaking with other musicians on this stuff, like it's like this having support. I think that's a huge thing I realized. Like you cannot do this stuff alone. No, you need a community, I think. And I, what's good about lockdown tech and all this is that I can talk to you or Alec or Savannah. We're not in the same town. So I think there's definitely benefits. But I think more than ever, yeah, maybe the lockdown's taught us the relationships and communicating and, you know, like-minded people. It's important stuff. Like, I'll feel yeah. good after this. And it's my art at the minute. So, yeah, connecting with other musicians is important. What troubles me is that, a lot of musicians and actors from my perspective are very self-serving, right? They're, uh, narcissism. They're competing. Yeah. Or yeah. Like we're going to try and open a bar and yeah, we might play in the bar music, live music every month, but I want to fill the bar with people that I, even if we're all just whinging about social media, (laughs) you're in it together. And do you know what I mean? So rather than just seeing each other's stories of like, you know, the fields passing by or, 
the collaboration too goes even just beyond musician to musician is like we need to be connected with graphic artists and we need to be connected with filmmakers we need to be you know because we need to be constantly creating content if we do want to try to create fan base and the most effective that research and studies show in marketing is videos people need to be stimulated visually and auto audibly audibly (laughs) that's it yeah yeah no you're on it you're on it what's the next single is it done or should we play it on this podcast or the next single it's called new generation it was the same process. I did the demo here, guitar and vocals, and John created a drum beat and a bass part, and he played a incredible B3 Hammond, I hope I'm getting this instrument correct, organ on it. It's a totally different vibe. And we have a feature from an artist named Jonathan Dinklage he does a violin and viola feature on it. Oh he man, this sounds wicked. He plays both. And John is just, he, he is in the pit for Hamilton. And he has played with the Eagles. He's played with Rush. He's just a powerhouse player. And um, the um, parts that he played when he sent them to me. And that was another thing, like getting these things sent back to me and when i got to listen to them oh, it was it's like, like an orgasm man it's so good when you I mean, haven't heard it it yeah. was something to look forward to like a yeah. christmas present under the tree yeah you know, yeah, during yeah. This i know what you and, mean and when and when that's as good as it gets oh the best one and I, you hear I a great always, musician on your song and you're oh man it's better than when you release it i go into the car and um put it on and, and it moved me to tears his part it did and I and I told him that and I'm so so grateful and lucky to uh, even have the opportunity to work with someone as talented as he, as he is I've been dreaming with my eyes out I've been breathing in the cloud I've been game we're gonna try let's, it let's oh do god it. Let's right do so it. the game is called don't give up the day job mm-hmm. uh, there's the 
that's the thing. <laughs> I, 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 I think this is a good game. So this is going to be rubbish, I think, but I'm not going to play a clip for you, but the audience will hear a clip and I'm just going to give you the name of either an album or a movie. And you have to guess if it's a singing actor or an actor singing. I haven't thought about this as much. If it's too complicated, then let me know. Okay, so the first one, so maybe just say, shit, it's quite complicated, isn't it? Do you want to say singer or actor? Actually, that's easier, right? <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. You're saying whatever it is that they're more dominant, that they've yes. had more success in or yeah. known for more, then that's what, that's what they would be. I got you. And I thought that was relevant because you're a multitasker. You're in both things. Right. One. So the first one is party all the time. Is that an actor or a singer? This is singing actor. Yes, yeah, so that's Eddie Murphy. Inspector T, how you doing? Where the fuck you been, Foley? Right. Two. The next one, this game, the jury's right. out on this game. The next one is simply Smoking Aces. That was a film, Smoking Aces, I thought. I thought that was like, wasn't that a Guy Ritchie film? Yeah, that's a film. So that's Alicia Keys. Is she in that movie? She's in it. Let's get a clip of that. I ain't got no problem with you or your bureau, so I think you're better off just moving on and letting us be. Looks like she's playing a hot girl because basically she is a hot girl. So you're right both times, although you didn't say yeah. Alicia Keys. Three. All right, um, and then we've got two-lane backdrop. Is okay, that a so singer or an actor? I'm glad that you brought this one up because this one is something I forgot to mention. This is a singer who acted in the 1970-something film where James Taylor was driving the car. It was like an easy rider, but in cars, and James Taylor's in it, and he's, he's super great. But I worked with him. That was my... Uh, first ever acting job was James Taylor put out an album called October Road and all right I, and I got hired to be in the commercial and I was playing Fire and Rain when he walks into the guitar shop and I don't recognize him so I get the audition for this James Taylor commercial I have no idea what it is they just say come play guitar in the audition so of course I go and I play a hacked up version of fire and rain you know i like learned it the night before and then play it and um i get the job they're like but this isn't okay. for him the audition it's for a casting agent right? for a casting agent yeah so okay. i get the job and they tell me to go to this address on carmine street carmine street guitars i was in new york okay in new york yeah and i go there to set this happened like i got the job and it was like be there the next day kind of thing and I get there and they're like, okay, so here it is. You're going to be here. You're going to be playing what you do, what you did in the audition. I was playing Fire and Rain. It's like James Taylor is going to walk in and you don't recognize him. And then he's going to pick up the guitar and play. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's James Taylor. This was the commercial. And I didn't know he was actually going to be in there. And then he comes in 
And, um, you know, that commercial, you can see it. it's on my website, it's on YouTube. And we spent the entire day together. And it was just like a dream first job because we did the first thing. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I had no idea where to look, what to do. You're a fan? Favorite. I'm a huge fan of James Taylor. He was mm -hmm. definitely one of the Sweet Baby James album. It's like a, a repeater for me in high school. My fan, my parents too, just uh, love James Taylor. Beautiful. And Be he's got a beautiful sound. If it feels like another era. It's not rushed. It's calming. It does something to you, doesn't it? It's warm. And his guitar playing is just uh, outstanding. And he's just so in his own pocket. It's very, very... Um, so I've been working on Fire and Rain now. I put like a, a Facebook post up of me trying to play a song. And I'm trying to learn through the video that he has up he has a video where the camera's inside of the guitar so you can see exactly what his right hand is doing with the finger picking and then and then the other camera is angled down on the left hand so you can see exactly and so you have two monitors showing the hands and how they're moving at the same time and it's a helpful lesson that he does but man it is in yeah, fucking do it <laughs> it is <laughs> really Oh, you could do it. Oh. That's not in tune, but do you know, well, what about, I used to, I used to play that to a girl that I went out with from, from California, and she used to cry when, I, when she heard the notes. It means a lot to people that. It means a lot if it's in tune. So you can do the whole song? I can't. I, when I get to the hammer rounds. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to do that. It sounds like I'm hijacking your story there, but Please, oh, no, I love no, it. No. I love the song as well. So could you play it when you're playing it when he comes in? Or were you picking it or were you just doing the chords? When he came in, he told me, he's like, because I was like, I don't know the song very well. I learned it last night, like by ear. We didn't have, I didn't have the YouTube videos back then when you could just no. <laughs> go. Just like 15 years ago, maybe something like that. Maybe. over that over yeah. that 2001 okay. 2002 yeah but i'm playing it really awful in the commercial but that also worked that's the point for, though isn't it it works for the character he's fumbling through the song yeah and then james yeah. taylor comes in and plays it wouldn't be cool if i'm like ripping it you know <laughs> so james taylor great. joins you we'll play the advert here hey if I try this? Well, I'm going back down maybe one more time Deep down home October road October road And so okay. what was what happened that day? You spent the day with him and what did you learn or what yeah. happened? Uh, the game is over, by the way, listeners. Here's the jingle. Uh, It wasn't oh, yeah. a good game, but we got a good story. So let's go with but that. But it, it led us to the James Taylor story, which I, yes. I do want to talk about him because it was it was such a an, an incredible experience for me. And I'm obviously super fan of him and um, I would love to collaborate with him. I mean, oh, my goodness, like um, or, or open for him or do something with him. Well, let's send uh, because, this to his management. We'll get that oh done. My, oh, my gosh. You're a part of his history. You're in one of his adverts or something. So. Yeah, carry on. It's, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, but those, those, it, it is important uh, to whatever follow through with um, these yeah. experiences and stuff. And um, 
you'd be surprised uh, how musicians support each other, especially if they like what you're doing, you know? Well, he was um, discovered by McCartney, wasn't he? He was signed to Apple. So McCartney it, it, picked him. Exactly. And, you know, he was a voice coach mentor. Um, he's a very supportive, he posts fan features on his Instagram of people playing his songs. He supports music. He supports people. He just gets it. And a story that I can say that, uh, goes in line with his character uh, is working on that commercial. We did the first shot, you know, everybody's nervous. Nobody knows what's going on. You know, the director says to walk over here, do this, blah, blah, blah. But then after the first shot, we come out of the guitar shop and there were two trailers out front of the guitar shop. One was the trailer for James Taylor and one was the trailer for like the food and uh, the producers of the um, commercial were, as we left the shot, were like, okay, the producers were going to have us sit in the food trailer and James Taylor said, no, 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 no. They come into my trailer and sit with me. So it was so kind of him. And we got to spend the day inside of the trailer with him. And he told me about Tulane Blacktop because he was speaking to us as if, you know, through the perspective of acting and actors and what that business is. And he had said how he'd never seen the film and yeah, that it was uh, his I don't know, his, his one-time acting, that the director really liked his look and put him in that film. You know, he told stories. It was an unforgettable day. And at the end of it, as we were leaving, I asked him if he would sign the guitar, and he did. And he signed it just under the bridge, like very small, because he didn't want to, like, <laughs> you know, deface the guitar, I think. And it was amazing. And that guitar I still have. And I when I it was working on the fire and rain. I was playing it on that guitar when I was back in Connecticut and that was pretty, pretty cool. So that's the James Taylor, uh, story. <laughs> yeah. What an experience, man. Yeah, man. That was the first acting job. I knew nothing. And, mm. uh, I was so lucky that I had to, an experience where I was able to do music and act and that kind of a thing. So, Yeah. Yeah. All right, Shane, thanks so much for your time. You've got to run, right? But wh where can people find you? Just shanepatrick.com? Please visit Shane Patrick Official, where you can, like, really navigate all of this stuff. The social medias is Shane Patrick Official as well, so I tried to keep it simple. It's all one thing. Mm. Yeah. And what's your movie that you said that was on YouTube to check out? I'm certainly going to watch it anyway. Oh, you know what? Yes, please check that out because that, like my music, is another thing yet that just a lot of people haven't seen yet. And I, I would love people to see it. I still think it's a great, cute little romantic comedy. It's called Remedial Love. It is on my YouTube channel, which you can also access through the website. That's why I send everyone to the website because you can just get all of this there. But um, it's 13 minutes long and you'll hear... I'm in love, which was the song that I wrote for that. Cool. All right, Shane, yeah. there's something I forgot to ask you at the beginning. We might as well do now. I usually yeah. ask, who are you? But now people know, but who are you? My name is Shane. My name is Shane Patrick. Shane Patrick official. There's and nothing else to know. <laughs> there's nothing else to know. If they've made it this far, they know who you are, surely. I'm a surfer. <laughs> okay. Actor. Well, and a musician and uh and a legend a cool guy no, who resembles james dean <laughs> no. well, 15 years ago anyway <laughs> oh my god that is so funny that's a, <laughs> that's so funny and uh, yeah man thank you so much for this this uh lifted my spirits today to just have a conversation with a kindred spirit brother you're yeah, the best yeah no worries i woke up in a soho no way a police